named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Moral and I am joined as ever by Mr. Sam Hunter. How are you, my friend? Good morning, Mark. Hello, listeners. I am very well. Thank you. Um, we were just having a conversation about how it's raining cats and dogs where you are, <laughs> even though it's hot, which doesn't really make sense. But hey, global warming. Yeah, so I was actually just saying that I've had to battle a rainstorm to get into the office this morning, and yet it's my son's ninth birthday this weekend, and we've got a bounce castle because it's going to be 25 degrees this weekend. So, yeah, go figure. But I was actually saying to you up there, Sam, um, how it really feels like the weather is on the change now and how that changes mm. people's, people's mood. Uh, and I know you're, well, literally at the other side of the world and the weather is, is very different there. But one of the things that I've noticed with you, because we talked about this initially uh, when Andy Davis came on the show about our exercise accountability group, you are being very consistent with your exercise at the moment. How is that affecting mood? And do you think it's easier because the weather is brighter and how's it affecting your performance at work as well? It's definitely easier when the sun's up without a shadow of a doubt. Um, Yeah. Light makes a difference to everything. Yeah. Um, And I, I, and I remember when we first moved to the UK, the obvious question that people asked us was like, why would you move here? (laughs) And, and my sort of flippant answer was life's like life isn't about the weather. Hmm. Um, however, now having come back and not really taken paradise for granted, uh, it has a lot to do with it. Hmm. And, and actually, it isn't a, a it isn't just a thing that English people talk about and and everyone else jokes about around the world. It, everybody talks about the weather. It's just most of the time you're remarking about how miserable it is in England versus how nice it is in, in other places. So yeah. yes, it's most certainly easier to get out of bed when the sun's shining and it's, you know, 25 degrees. Um, does it make any, it any easier to remain consistent uh, in terms of doing some exercise? I've, I don't know if I've ever felt prouder in myself than over the last few months where I've, I've just stuck to something and I yeah, literally have been at the gym blowing my nose because i've had a cold you know yeah. day hair colds and things like that and i've like blown mm. my nose usually i wouldn't have gone yeah um and i'll tell you I, it, i didn't stay sick longer i didn't get sick any faster the only difference was that i just kept doing what i was doing and took a photo of it and sent it off and um yeah definitely like i think i said to you guys like mm. i i definitely do everything better in life when i'm feeling good about myself and mm. the only way i've found to feel good about myself is keeping promises to myself yeah so uh, it's making a difference. Um, my football team, uh, both my football teams played grand finals uh, on the weekend and both of them lost in the last minute. Oh. Uh, yep, which was a pretty sad experience. Um, and your rugby team's however, crashing out the World Cup as well. Yeah, no. Uh, you We've think I'm joking about that, 
You think I'm joking when I say rugby is a dead sport, but it's genuinely a dead sport. I could I couldn't tell you. I I don't even know. Is it? Are we finished now? Have we finished our last group game? Anyway, I don't know. Um, no. To go back to the answer to your question is, yeah, I feel good about myself. Yes, it definitely helps at work. Uh, and yes, it's easier to get up when the sun's shining. However, that shouldn't be an excuse not to do it. Yeah. Um, and I, Maybe that's where you were going with that line of questioning. I'm not sure. Um, I re- actually, the reason why I decided to join a gym was because running is super hard here because it's always hot and it's always hilly. In England, it's flat for the most part Wet. and it's cold for the most part. So it's amazing running mm. weather. And that's why I was like sort of developed myself into a half decent runner over there. Um, whereas now I'm doing a 10K, not this not this Sunday coming, but the Sunday after called the Bridge to Brisbane. There's a massive bridge in Brisbane. You run from there to the center of the city. So that's 10K. That's my first 10K since a year ago when I did a Movember 10K and that was hard. Yeah. Um, and this one will probably be equally as hard because you're running up a very big bridge. Um, <laughs> thankfully, then you get to run down it, which is good. So, yeah, I think you got to pick what works for you. Um, and climate probably has a, a fair amount to do with that. But as long as you're doing something, the rest of the world kind of just falls into place if you can nail yourself every morning. Yeah. I think... It's not a euphemism, everybody listening. <laughs> a smirk on their face right now. Um, yeah, if you, can, if you can put yourself first and prioritize that sort of stuff, the rest kind of, the universe moves out of the way. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I've noticed that as well. Having now been injured for 10 days, I can really sort of feel the difference in energy levels and, and what have mm. you. But I just thought it was interesting to talk about as the weather is changing, the need to strive for that consistency because it does have a difference in how you perform at work and how you just perform in, in real life. And I think the energy at this time of year as the night's drawing in and the rain is you know coming thick and fast is really important. And we, talk, we talked about it before. Um, September, the market in, in September, the market in October, you've got a pretty short run before people start getting really distracted by other things. So I think if you do are, maybe there are people listening that have got that stuff on and they don't want to, Go. I think that exercise and maintaining your energy levels at the moment is really important to improve your performance at work. It gives you something else to talk about as well, not necessarily with, with people at the gym or in a running club or, or anything like that. That was the best thing I ever did in England was join a running club because I met people that had an interest that I was starting to have an interest in Yeah, from all walks of life. And the last thing we talked about was property data. Real estate. <laughs> it was, you know, running, shoes, family, kids when we had them, all that sort of stuff. Um, that's a really another good benefit um, from going and doing some sort of reasonably organized exercise mm-hmm. is you get that community aspect. And that is probably what it takes to get up and out of bed during those cold, dark months as well. The added benefit you got as an estate agent is they're all potential clients as well. So <laughs> Always. There, there literally is no downside. Always, always thinking about it. You mentioned there about uh, property data, not data. Um, what are we seeing, or what are you guys seeing in the market at the moment for um, reality versus the perception of the of the media? Um, and I think this will be what we end up calling this show. But I think there's there's the post summer or maybe post holiday perception versus the actual market reality. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see how your area stacks up against this, but there's certainly more stock on the market now um, overall, as in more available stock, not not talking about stuff that's marked as sold subject to contract and is sitting around mm-hmm. for months because of long chains and things like that. But 
new stock, available stock. There's more of it now than there probably has been since the start of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we think back then, that was a pretty middle market and, and that's kind of where we are now. Um, but if you talk to uh, a lot of agents and you and I have been talking to agents for different reasons over the last week, um, there's a perception that there's not a lot going on. Mm. And I think that's because everybody struggles to get back into gear once they come back from their summer holiday or the school holidays or anything like that. And um, to find that momentum again is difficult, uh, particularly if you're working on your own. Uh, yeah. Although actually maybe if I, I might completely renege on that comment and, and think again, uh, because maybe if you are working on your own, you know, it's all, if it's to be, it's up to me sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but certainly what we have a look at in the data is that there's more houses on the market and there's almost, there's almost two lanes uh, to the market at the moment. Um, I always like car analogies, right? Um, you've got the sort of the, the two lanes are 30 and three. So you've got properties that are selling in 30 days or properties that are selling in three weeks. And then you've got properties that are selling in three months. Yeah. Um, and the, the realistic, well, yeah, let's say this, the, the only difference tangible difference that you can see there is that the ones that are selling in 30 days don't have any adjustment to price. They've absolutely nailed it on yeah. moment one and invariably have nailed the marketing as well. It's harder to look at that statistically because marketing is subjective and I'm not looking at descriptions on properties or the, the photo that they chose at the front or anything like that, but it's pretty clear to see that the price wasn't adjusted and it got a result within three, three weeks or 30 days, right? three or four weeks versus something that's getting a result after 90 days or three months or longer, and it's had one or two changes in price. Mm, so yeah. it just, it shows you that the courageous agents are getting results and they're getting paid quicker than those who are just listing something and hoping for the best and then having a conversation about price. Um, probably too far down the track. Um, and the sellers are the ones that are suffering for it as well. Um, and I think that I, I saw a great... Um, on market letter that went out uh, the other day and it was along the lines of if all you've done is reduced your price the savvy buyers are just going to see straight through that yeah what else have you done have you refreshed your marketing have you got new photos um have you updated your description to match the new price um i'm reading diary of a ceo at the moment nice yeah um yeah, so interesting. I listened to Stephen Bartlett on the Rich Roll podcast. I think I said this a couple of weeks ago when I was uh, talking to Tanya Baker and I bought the book after that conversation and I just finished it yesterday. And there's a line in that book about dog whistle marketing. This was the thing that I said to you. I was like, hang on, hold that thought, push record. We'll get there. I promise we'll figure out a way of getting it into the show. Yeah, just for all this, I have no idea where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> dog, dog whistle marketing is if you've got a dog whistle and you, and you blow it, you're only attracting dogs, right? Yeah. Everyone else is oblivious. But the dogs are manic for it. So they will like make a beeline for wherever that whistle is for whatever reason. So dog whistle marketing is marketing to speaking to communicating to the ideal buyer yeah. for that property or if you are communicating about your agency the messaging that you choose is for the ideal client that you want to represent which is ideally really well priced three or four bedroom houses in your local area because they seem to be the thing that are selling faster 
So, and this is going to be uh, something that if you've been listening to this show for a while, you've heard us say plenty of times, but writing ABC estate agents are delighted to present this well-appointed three-bedroom quaint home in a, you know, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. That is just not going to cut it. That is not yeah. dog whistle marketing. That's yelling out max at a dog park and watching all the dogs turn around, right? <laughs> so how do you how do you really think about it? And this comes back to... One, the on-market letter of saying you, you know, the savvy buyers are aren't going to be sensitive to just a price adjustment. You've got to get everybody else in there. So, how do you one switch it up if you have to have that conversation? But two, how do you absolutely nail it on early in the process? And what what does dog whistle marketing look like for property agents? Well, mm-hmm. that's where you ask your sellers. Sitting in a listing appointment, right? Let's park price for a second. Who do you think is going to buy this property? Yeah. I always ask. And they might have some thoughts, but ideally you'd ask them how long you lived here or you'd know how long they've lived there, right? So they've lived there 10 years. What were you guys like 10 years ago? That's what I always ask. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Because the people because that buy it are going to be them talking about what it was like to buy it. They remember the emotion. What do you feel when you bought this place? And just write down the key words. Yeah. Whatever they like, someone else is going to like. That's your dog whistle. That's how you get people in the door. That's how actually you can make a competitive price into a premium price when it comes to the result because you've attracted like ferociously three or four really interested parties. And, and that is our job, right? So, and I think actually if you sit mm. down and spend the time with people at the listing appointment valuation phrase or whatever you want to, want to call it and actually have those conversations, you you can almost see them going through the process in their mind. And hopefully that then does hold some sway when they come to choose the agent, because I probably don't think there's very many agents that actually go that deep on it. It's price us, 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 nothing about the, about the client. So yeah, dog, dog whistle marketing appeal, appeal. Isn't it interesting where, where every every agent says either they've got the buyer or they'll find the buyer, but they don't know who the buyer is. Mm, Yeah. And the ads the same, no matter who it's going to be. Mm. Yeah, one hundred percent. And that, interesting, interestingly enough, you said before, you know, you don't know what we're seeing in in our our market, but it is virtually exactly as you've just said. So, mm. I think from an agent perspective, you've got to make sure that you are not just giving your market commentary on the back of what you're experiencing in your agency. You need to make sure that you are doing the market research and knowing how the general market is performing as well. Um, because some months you could have a really good month and the market might not be the same. So you need to make sure that you've got that holistic review of the market, not just what's going on in, in your business. But we do, we I think do so that. as well. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just th- I'm going to think out loud now, which is dangerous. And I'm just, I'm literally thinking about this um, dog whistle tactic and how you can fold that into a really good listing presentation mm-hmm. so that people will walk out of there being like, holy hell. That is that is the strategy that we have to use. And ideally, that's the agent that we have to use. And it's a bit like we've all got U-Butte CRMs where you can plug people's names in and usually it just says, hi, Mark, here's a new listing that you might be interested in. What if you split that out and you put a few photos in the email and you put the description in the email, but you replaced, you know, all buyers will be delighted and you put Mark and Sam. So you, you put the actual person's yeah. name in there. So the description is actually written to them and then they click on it instead of their name being there, it just says you. I, you know, I was taught and I'm still a massive fan of you'll love the insert 
best feature here. You know, you'll love the fact that there's nine gum trees on this block and kookaburras sit and sing every single night. You'll love the fact that there's rosellas in all the trees. Mm -hmm. Like this is, we walked to our place and it, that didn't say it in the ad, but that's what I love the most. Yeah. Right? yeah. So how do you sit with a seller and say to them, you know, you guys have been here 15 years because you know it. What were you like 15 years ago? Because houses tend to recycle the same kind of buyers. Mm -hmm. We've got to attract them like a dog whistle. We've got to absolutely make sure we talk to them. What, what what were you guys like and what attracted you most? And is that still present in this property? Yeah. So maybe they love the trees back then, but they cut them down. So they're too scared of them falling over in a storm or something like that. What to mine is what attracted you to the property and what have you loved about living here? And I think sometimes yeah. if they, if people have been there a long time, that is a really good show of faith that the house has served them perfectly. So then all you have to do is go and find them if they've been there 20 years. Find them 20 imagine, years ago. Imagine if every single one of Moving Works ads said, what attracted you to buy the property? You know, and, and it didn't start with, you'll love this. It's like from the seller's mouths. What attracted you to buy the property? Question mark. And it's just their answer. What have you loved about living here? And it's just their answer. And it's like, can you see yourself being attracted to this and loving this too? Inquire today. Yeah. If you had that across the board and you just walked into a listing appointment, yeah, you've got to get the price right. Yeah, your fees have got to be competitive enough that uh, you're, you're justifying all the additional work that you've clearly already done. But if you just put that down and said, hey, this is the strategy I'm thinking, can you just answer me those two questions and we'll write the ad together today and we'll decide what are the best photos to put on that. What, are, what a unique presentation and there's not much wrong with it. And Actually, I remember sitting at some training that Richard Rawlings did a good number of years ago, and he talked about doing exactly this. Uh, and he talked about the psychological effect of the owner of the property actually giving you permission to use their words is almost them giving you permission to market the house. So that is a really strong yeah. way of doing it as well. Um, yeah, I think dog whistle marketing is going to be the title of this show i think because i think actually as you <laughs> as you as you as i said before i had no idea where you were going go with this but actually if you are calling out to the type of buyer and there are some houses that will appeal to a range of buyers but most will appeal to type of people that the clients were when they bought it and i think you've just got to mm. spend 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 a bit the thing is to spend a bit of time trying to learn who they were when they bought it and all of those reasons why they bought it and why they're still there. And obviously you need to know why they're selling. You may, you know, you, you may, you may not include that um, in your marketing or well, you wouldn't include it in your marketing, would you? But actually if you spend enough time just, you know, focusing on those sort of three points, I think you'll spend more time in your listing appointment. If that's what you're calling it, you'll spend more time in there talking about them than you will about you. And that's got to be the aim in uh what was, i can't remember who called it a listening appointment it might have been you to be fair but I think mm. if you uh if you you do that so yeah dog whistle marketing is <laughs> is going to be the title of the show as you know we do this show because we love our industry we want to see it improve and get better if you have enjoyed today's episode or indeed you are going to start employing some dog whistle marketing please share it out on social share it with um, colleagues and drop us a message on social media. I'm Mark Worrell. He's Sam Hunter. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again next week.